Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. John chapter 19, we're right in the middle of this judgment that's happening now with Pilate, and it says this, So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. What does that mean? Roman scourging, flogging, otherwise known as. Uh, a cat of nine tails, a type of whip. And there were different weapons. If you've seen the Mel Gibson movie, The Passion of the Christ, there are a variety of weapons that would be used to scourge, flog, uh, really punish a criminal. But a cat of nine tails, a handle with about nine leather straps at the end of which were sharp objects, bone, metal, glass, and such. And this was not just everybody take a turn, but these people were skilled. These Roman legionnaires were skilled at being able to just either rake flesh off of the body or to cast those pieces at the end of the straps so that they would stick into the flesh and be able to rip out. I mean, there were a variety of techniques that they would use. And Jesus, by the time he was finished being scourge was a bloody mess as if the abuse all night had not been enough and that amount of bleeding now he's bleeding from all over his body so it says Pilate took Jesus and scourged him and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe then they said hail king of the Jews there this is sarcasm they're making fun hail king of the Jews and they struck him with their hands. I mean, these Roman soldiers are beating him. Verse 4, Pilate then went out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Again, another assessment, another judgment. There's nothing wrong with him. He's done nothing wrong. This is uh, announcing really without uh, doing it intentionally that he is a qualified Passover lamb. I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, behold the man. Behold the man. Look at the man. I, uh, it's evident that Pilate was wanting to let him go. And he thought, well, maybe if I have my soldiers scourge him, then bring him out. People will have compassion and they won't want me to crucify him. So he said, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. In other words, that's not enough punishment for him. By the way, do you remember why Jesus, uh, why Jesus willingly endured flogging or scourging, took stripes? Because of Isaiah 53, 5, it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes... We were healed. So this came about because Jesus was willing not only to pay for our sins, but to pay for our sicknesses and diseases as well. So they said, uh, when they saw Jesus, the chief priests and officers said, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, you take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. Well, he didn't make himself the son of God. He is the son of God. Verse 8, therefore, when Pilate heard that, that saying, that saying, he was the more afraid. 
So Pilate was afraid to crucify Jesus. There was something special about him, and Pilate wanted to let him go. But it says, when Pilate heard that he made himself the Son of God, it says, therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, listen to this. You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Well, who was it that delivered Jesus to Pilate? Well, it was the Jewish, the Jewish religious leaders, the chief priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the officers of the Jewish people. They delivered Jesus. And of course, before that, Judas. And so Jesus said, they have the greater sin. But Jesus is saying, from above, you've been given the power to crucify me. Otherwise, you could do me no harm. Isn't this something? This is God the Father giving his son over to be crucified because God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. There it is. Pilate is not trying to kill him. Pilate's trying to release him. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. They are manipulating Pilate. They're saying, if you let him go, we're going to tell Caesar that this man was coming against Caesar, trying to make himself a king and take people away from Caesar's authority. And you're going to let him go? Caesar's not going to be happy with you. See, they are, uh, in a sense, blackmailing uh, Pilate. So if they said, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover. See, the Passover had not yet happened. This is the day for the Passover. That afternoon is when Passover lambs would be killed. And about the sixth hour, about the sixth hour, and this is about nine in the morning, and he said to the Jews, behold your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered and, and said, we have no king but Caesar. Then they delivered him to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha or Golgotha, where they crucified him the two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but he said, I am the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. <laughs> Don't you love that? Pilate seemed to believe that he was somehow the king of the Jews. And so he wrote, the king of the Jews. Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Okay, verse 23. 
Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from top, uh, from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Both of those statements happened and were fulfilled uh, from the psalm, the 22nd psalm. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, well, we believe that's John himself who's writing, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son, speaking about John. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. You know, if you visit today the ancient city of Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey, there's a, there's a hill just above where this city, I mean, there's so many artifacts. Ephesus is, is a magnificent place to go tour and to see this ancient city, the artifacts, the excavations of this ancient city. But there's up on what we'd call a hill. Uh, a house that you can go to, uh, and it is a commemorative of the place where uh, it's believed that John lived with Jesus' mother Mary until her death. And so, uh, anyway, that's in the city of Ephesus. It's a long way from Jerusalem, but uh, we know from Scripture and from history that John, this disciple, though he was in Jerusalem in the early years of the book of Acts, he ended up being one of the elders in the church at Ephesus. Okay, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on, a, on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Now, other gospels bring out other things that Jesus said before this, but John sort of gets right to the end here, and he says, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Well, what's finished? Well, payment for salvation is finished. Payment for the sins of the world is finished. Payment for our eternal redemption is finished. Payment for all sickness and disease is finished, on and on and on. Jesus finally got it done. Now what's supposed to happen? He's depending on God the Father to raise him from the dead, which, of course, he indeed did. And so Jesus here has accomplished for us what he was sent to accomplish, the ultimate sacrifice to accomplish for us. And he says, it is finished. And bowing his head, he yielded up or gave up his spirit. Verse 31, therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. In other words, this Passover day that where the lambs will be killed now, starting about three in the afternoon, that day is on a Friday, is going into the Sabbath. So it's clear Jesus died on a Friday because the Sabbath is always a Saturday. So this documents it, that that's crystal clear, see? So other people have speculated that he died on a Thursday and some even Wednesday. But no, this is clear that Jesus did indeed die 
uh, about three in the afternoon on a Friday, the 14th day of Nisan. So notice this. It says, therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out, which, by the way, was... Uh, a sign that he was already dead. Uh, and he who had seen, uh, and he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. John's talking about himself. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. So that was an Old Testament prophecy as well that when the Messiah dies, not one of his bones would be broken. Verse 37, and again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. So there's the piercing of the side. Verse 38, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, do you remember from John 3? And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, he was, by the way, a, a ruler of the Jews and a very prominent teacher. So, and Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. That's a lot of spices. About a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to, to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there is a garden. You know, when you go to Jerusalem today, there are two places that you can visit that are uh, presumed by some that would be the place where Jesus died and was buried. And because this shows that in the place where he died, there was a garden and there was a new tomb and that's where he was buried. So he, he died and was buried at virtually the same place. Well, there's the place called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre because uh, in the 300s, uh, you know, several hundred years after Jesus died, uh, Constantine sent his mother to the Holy Land to try to find the place where Jesus died and his tomb and such, and she claimed to have found it. And so because of the closeness of the proximity, even though being several hundred years away from the crucifixion, that's the closest that we can look back into history and see. Uh, there's a presumption that that likely is the place that they ended up building a church over in that uh, fourth century uh, A.D., and that's the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's the oldest Christian church there in the region. Well, then, uh, many centuries later, in fact, just a couple of centuries ago, uh, there's this place that's in a, uh, near another gate of Jerusalem uh, that we know as the, uh, what do we know that as? The Garden Tomb. That's what it's like. That's what nor normally called. It's a place I love to visit. We always go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and we talk about that and the reasoning, some of the reasons why that 
has a likelihood of being the place Jesus died and was buried. But we always go to the garden tomb uh, as well. And they found under uh, this garden tomb area a huge cistern of water, which would have been necessary for a garden. They also found an ancient wine press and such. And there's a tomb. Uh, many scholars don't believe that it was there, but there are some scholars that believe that that likely is the place. Well, it really doesn't matter. It's not the point. If it was the point that we need to know where the exact place is some 2,000 years later, it would have probably been documented in Scripture. But nonetheless, uh, this is some of the text by which some people assert that the garden tomb could indeed be the place. So it says here, uh, let's see. In verse 40, then they took the body of Jesus. Well, let's look at verse 39. And Nicodemus, who at first came uh, with a mixture, he came with uh, spices and such, about 100 pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus, bound it in strips of linen with the spices, uh, as is the custom of Jews to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had been laid. And by the way, that particular tomb in the garden of Gethsemane that's there, not the garden of Gethsemane, in the garden uh, where, where the garden tomb, quote unquote, is. Uh, if you go into that tomb, you look into that and you, they let you go in. If you go in, you'll see one of the places for a person's body is completely hewn out, but the other one's not finished yet. And so this says it's a new tomb. Uh, so it, it very likely could be one that's not even quite completely hewn out. So it says here, there was a new tomb in which no one had been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day for the tomb was nearby. Very, very interesting. And by the way, right there at the garden tomb, there's also a place in the rocks, in the cliff there, that looks like a skull, which it says here the place of a skull, Golgotha or Golgotha. And, uh, and there's also, it's a stone quarry which would have been a perfect place for execution by stoning. And near the gate, it was near one of the gates of Jerusalem, also a place where the Romans would crucify people as they're passing by. The Romans didn't want to do it away from people. They wanted to do it right where everybody was passing by to make a statement to everybody, don't mess with the Romans. Excuse me. So uh, that statement was made anyway. Uh, I know I, I didn't like that there were two possible places because wouldn't it be great if, you know, we just knew which one. Many scholars believe they know which one. But nonetheless, I think it's important to point out that uh, the Bible brings out these details, which at least give room for pause and thought. Well, thank you, Jesus, for what you went through. Thank you for dying for our sins. Oh, may the blood of Jesus wash us all from our sins. And may the power of the Spirit fill us and help us to walk in obedience and righteousness and that we may retain eternal life in our souls and in our spirits. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me today. And I'll see you tomorrow for chapter 20. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. 
Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.